been looking forward to this one all week actually a little bit bit nervous though because we've got a french football expert on the show tom how, how are you feeling ahead of our delivering our selection tonight yeah pretty similar I, th- I think i think you know we're talking about the best french 11 ever to grace the premier league for the listeners benefit um yeah a little bit nervous i think there's going to be some no-brainer names which i think everyone will agree with hopefully matt will agree with i think it'll be sacrilege to disagree with some of them clearly but I think there's going to be a, a bit of contention around uh, three or four names um, but it, but there, you know, there's different ways you can judge a best 11 isn't there isn't it you know is it someone who turned up for 90 minutes and was just had that ability or is it actually going to base it on on trophies or whatever else so there's a few different reasons when they're really Andrew yeah definitely it's um I'm interested to see what your thoughts are Matt um big French football writer obviously a passion of yours um hopefully we get the verification. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a passion that was probably inspired, I think, by a lot of the the moves across the channel in in, in the nineties and mm. some of the games between French teams and and English teams. Um, mm. And of course, yeah, with uh, Arsene Wenger, it all, it all accelerated. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it as well. Right. Okay. So let's um, let's get moving with with a, with a goalkeeper. Firstly, we went for a. We went for a more balanced formation, Tom, didn't we? Because we thought the, big, the biggest names don't necessarily mean that it's going to give us the best compact unit. No, um, I think that's right. I think we've gone for a, a balanced team. There's going to be some people, some water carriers and some flare players. But I think you're kicking off with a bit of a contentious contentious selection. So we'll see what we think about and we'll discuss that player for a little bit. Well, the, the much maligned Fabian Bartes has, has, has got the, the job between the sticks. Um, I mean, we were arming and ahhing between Barthez and Loris for a while, Matt. And um, I think coming over from Monaco in 2000 and winning two league titles with Manchester United, I think probably tipped it in terms of Premier League impact that he's had. Um, But obviously a very mixed bag is probably being quite kind. Um, He was trying to fill some big gloves, wasn't he, with Peter Schmeichel leaving. Um, they, They sort of tossed and turned with, was it Bosnich and I think Taibi for a season or so, but... Um, what, what 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 do you make of that selection? Is that is that is, is it a no brain or, or is it yeah. quite harsh on Loris? No, I don't think you should be too nervous or worried about it. I mean, Fabian Barthez has. You know, it's fair to say his, his reputation is far bigger over here because in France, because he won the Champions League with Marseille, and of course he won the World Cup, um, and you know was was quite a symbolic figure, and not just because of you know, Laurent Blanc kissing him on kissing him on his head. You know, he, he had some. He had some great moments and some great times with the French national team. And I think he was a great goalkeeper. I think there's no, there's no question about that. We saw it at Manchester United. We didn't see it all the time. And that's why, you know, I think, you, yeah, you rightly have some doubts because he had, you know, he had quite a few, a few shaky moments. And I think Arsenal fans will, will cherish one of his performances at Highbury when Arsenal yeah. turned it round at the end. Yeah, with a couple probably. of yeah, with some of their French players as well. And Barthez had a, had a bit of a nightmare in the last ten minutes. But look, overall. Overall, I would say, you know, I would say definitely there's no question that Loris is, is the guy who pushes him quite, quite uh, close. And I think Loris, again, has a better reputation over here um, than he does over in England. I, you know, he's obviously considered one of the better goalkeepers in, in the Premier League. He's 
Tottenham captain, France captain, um, well, Tottenham captain, and Harry Kane's not there, I guess. Yeah. So he was for a while last season. But yeah, in terms of trophies, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go along with, with, with your selection. And, you know, I think Loris has probably been as error prone as Bartes, but equally has been very influential as well, influential as well, because Loris's game isn't just about sort of making saves on his line. You know, he, he plays very much as a sort of a sweeper keeper and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's important as well. He's been important, I think, in, in Tottenham's rise. Yeah. Pochettino, at least. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And, and I think goalkeepers, you know, they, they're there to be poked fun at when there's a big, an error, a big error. And I think that's what happened with Bartis towards sort of his, the latter end of his Manchester United career. But I, I think the, the two titles edged. I think Loris has had a fantastic run at Spurs. But you could argue the same thing's kind of happening there over the last sort of year after being so consistent for so many years with Tottenham. Actually, you know, it made a couple of errors last season, and actually, people is the people are very quick with a goalkeeper. Is that you know who would want to be a goalkeeper? They always say, don't they? Because they're very quick to jump on their, you know, jump on them when they make an error or two. But think, you know, two yeah. goalkeepers. I, I wanted to butt in because you're right. I think with goalkeepers, perceptions can can change really quickly, and they can be influenced as well by what people think and what the press are, are, are writing. And over here in France, it is very different because ever since I, I've been here for 18 years now, and there's always been this running joke in France about English goalkeepers. They think it's hilarious how, how awful English goalkeepers are. And, um, and actually, the French haven't been that flushed with... You know, this is the one position probably where we're thinking, oh, you know, have mm. we got the, great, you know, the greatest player in, in goal? And I'm trying to think who else... You know, the Guillaume Varmers played what, in the League Cup for Arsenal. Steph Mondonda came, uh, had a brief spell. Uh, uh, he's a really good keeper, but it didn't work out for him at, at, at uh, Crystal Palace. Mm. But, you know, they're, they're always going on about how great the keepers are over here in France. But then I say to people, well, then why are the Premier League clubs not buying Stefan Ruffier and, uh, and Steve Mondander? And yeah, anyway, I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those where we'll, you know, I, I see people like mocking Loris for a mistake, but over here, it's kind of very much the opposite. When an English goalkeeper makes a mistake, makes a mistake, it's all over French TV. Yeah. I think as well, what swayed it was the, the short sleeve shirts as well. Yes. Well, that's going to help. I'm going to go with a safer choice because I, I, I still feel that the, the Bartis choice will, will be a bit contentious. But defence, left-back, which this is one of our no-brainers. It's got to be Evera, um, given, given sort of his run, um, you know, with Man United, five league titles, sort of, I think, 270-odd performances plus that we found. There's no contention there, really, is there? I mean, obviously, as, as an Arsenal fan, you know, he just he's unfortunate to be in the same Premier League era as Ashley Cole uh, with an Arsenal and Chelsea decade of, of brilliance as the best left back in the world. He liked winding Arsenal up. When I, when I went to interview him when he was in Marseille, and I said, you know, I had a bit of, a, bit of an Arsenal background and he sort of looked at me and goes, yeah, they were my boys. They were my boys. I was just like, no, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, if, if he plays for your team, um, the, you know the way the, the way he performed in the big games. You know the bigger the rivalry, he was he, he's a real competitor. And you know I'd actually say the opposite to Bartes. He's got a, a reputation issue over here in France. Obviously, there's been problems linked with the French national team, mm. and his personality hasn't always gone down well. But mm. yeah, Man United, he's, he's proper legend status. Yeah, and the Champions League winners' trophy as well. Five, five epic appearances for West Ham at the end of his well, career. Don't discount well. them. Don't discount them. All count, don't they? All count towards the total. I'd, yeah, I'd I mean, take five appearances to West Ham. <laughs> just, maybe not this West Ham. <laughs> just like a bit of... Yeah. I think the, the other fullback position, though, was a bit of a tricky one because we've gone for a four at the back, Matt. Um, 
and we landed on sensible i would say you don't want to take too many places with defenders given the attacking talent we've got yeah that's yeah exactly i think we fell on arsenal and man city's bakary sanya um joined from Auxerre back in 2007 i mean that we tom and i always talk about the 0708 season being probably the last time arsenal i mean we came close with the welbeck header against leicester that season but 0708 was a genuine title charge i mean it ended Sort of late Feb, early March, but Bakary Sanya was the, well, we, was, was a summer signing that year. Yeah, um, and we still and, only finished three points adrift. We we had a very good overall team that year. Yeah, um, and he was a, a you know a, a stalwart for us for for many years before he went to Man City. Yeah, I agree. Cool. I agree, and I think you know people talk about Arsenal losing Nasri, Fabregas, Van Persie, and stuff like that. But Sanya is the sort of guy. He he was disappointed with Arsenal's. Um, let's say lack of ambition just you know with the fact that they weren't investing in the team and he yeah he he got frustrated he you know he wanted to be winning trophies and that he was the sort of character that you that you need in a football club definitely mm-hmm. and um yeah really good servant for arsenal got some trophies at at, at city um again what's the, what's the competition i'm just trying to think of yeah it. i was um, thinking of what would be your other what would be your options there well, one of our centre-back choices could have arguably yeah. played, and he did play at right-back for many and games. So, yeah. yeah, and left-back. So, we, we have plumped uh, for William Gallas. Um, now, centre-back, I think centre-back is a, a very interesting discussion because there's a few great names there. But then it comes in, and it's probably our first example of achievements in the Premier League versus brilliance elsewhere and there's a lot of players who potentially don't make our 11 later who had they spent longer of their primes in the Premier League absolutely would have done um, but I think the reason we went for Gallas is that he spent the predominant of his prime career in England um, you oh, know he yes. went on went on, you know won two league titles um, tantrums on the pitch if you're an Arsenal fan but also t- those two league titles at Chelsea um, part of one of the best teams the country's seen in that first Mourinho reign um, I, I think for us, yeah, for us that sort of that tipped the balance. But um, maybe it's better to then give the other centre back and then look at them as a pair, and look at the ones we've left out. Maybe. I've, got, I've got the harder argument, I think. Then, I mean, Ish, I've got, I thought, I've got something really to back it for you. Well, I thought I thought Gallas for me was the first centre back down on the on the team sheet. But then we were in an R, and it was, to be honest, it was between Desai and Laporte, um, and. Overall, like Tom has mentioned there, in terms of like maybe greatness elsewhere and as a career, then Desai, of course, but we don't know what Laporte's going to go on to achieve. But we went for Laporte. Um, back-to-back league titles with City. I know that's a long, majority of that alongside the, the great Vincent Company, but I just feel that he's probably one of the most talented centre-backs the league has had actually in the last five, six, seven years. I know he's not a regular for France, Matt, at the moment, is he? Or Not at all. Not at all. No, I mean, and before Matt therefore jumps in and disagrees because he's clearly primed, what I would say is that for me, so the Man City ones, side, yeah, the Man City side of two seasons ago that got 100 points, um, you know, I will forever bat for the Invincibles, but that's up there with the very, very best teams the country's ever seen. The brand of football that Man City played, the points they scored, and the difference with his big injury last year in City was phenomenal. You could see that the drop in in their level of play, and so for me that what that's what edged in terms of how important he was to a team that was so talented, despite being a defender. Um, but look, it's contentious. Um, I, I think there's a lot, there's a few good names there. Um, who would make your back to Matt? There are some good names, and you know what you were saying before. Somebody like Laurent Blanc, you know, I guess yeah. you, you wouldn't consider in terms of you know his career 
Man United wasn't necessarily the, you know, the highlight. That wasn't necessarily his prime, but it certainly wasn't. Um, Desai, though, I mean, the overlooked Desai for Emery Laporte. I've got a bit of trouble there, but what, what the, <laughs> the, 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 the guy I'm surprised, it'd be interesting to, you know, shame we haven't got any City fans to talk to, but Sylvain Dista is the guy who's played more yeah. Premier League games than any other Frenchman. And um, I, 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 I had a hunch that you might have gone for him on, you know, certain criteria. We know that Laurent Blanc, Marcel Desai, better defend, better centre-backs than Sylvain Distan. But in terms of the service he gave, um, was it Everton, City, Portsmouth, played loads of games. And just was a really good defender. Was really solid mm. throughout. Um, but yeah, OK, I'll, I'll accept that, you know, Laporte is a, is a better, more talented defender. I just think he hasn't done enough yet. And I think when you look at, you know, you can talk about league titles and I'm not diminishing the achievement of winning a league title with City. It's still, you know, not easy. You've got Liverpool, you've got a lot of top teams to beat. But I just think you look at what some, somebody like Desai did at a stage in Chelsea's sort of development, very early stage. I think he was, he was so important, um, mm. helping Chelsea to change dimensions. And um, Desai would definitely be in my team. But um, As a consolation, he makes our bench. Do you know what I mean? So... <laughs> <laughs> And Galas, okay, fair, you know, fair enough. Again, I, I have a bit of trouble with a guy who plays for Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham. I just think, you know, taking yeah. the Mickey a little bit. Isn't by the it? way, really. Um, oh yeah, I think everyone did but, by the end of his by the end of his period. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's he, that's that's just the way he is. You know, he's maybe not a guy who. I'm not saying he doesn't have any club loyalty, but he plays football as a as a job, and he's very very good at it. And absolutely at Chelsea. In particular, he, he was huge, and and a very versatile defender as well. I think uh, I appreciate yeah. it. It feels like it was only yesterday, but you know we're going 15 years ago now. But I feel like a very modern defender as well. Could play kind of anywhere across the back line. Um, you know, was was quick, was athletic. Um, for me, had what what he would have probably done is done is slotted in next to uh, Desai or whoever with a Blanc in their prime, and and really done a great job there. You know, he reminded Absolutely. me very much of like a, like a Cody Torrey, you know, for Arsenal next to Sol Campbell. Someone who, you know, just quick, athletic, does a fantastic job, um, yeah. you know, bar some sulking on the pitch towards the end of his, his career. Um, yeah, for, for me, he was the one that was, was in there. Yeah, his best, his best period, I would say, um, was that he played in the 2006 World Cup. He was a starter alongside Turan, who, who was at the end of his career, but playing centre-back at that point. And like you say, yeah, with Turan's sort of experience... Um, Galas was just so good, so strong, so athletic, and France got to the World Cup final. And people maybe overlook, you know, it was all about Zidane, what have you, but Galas was one of France's stars in that mm. tournament. Mm. I think talk, talking to modern defenders, I think that probably shipped that was an extra weight behind the Laporte argument, wasn't it, Tom, as well? The left footed mm. centre back these days, which is a very common trend. Um, yep. Just another reason just to drop in why we yeah. went for him. <laughs> Yeah. Our, our, our team's going to run all day. I, I think midfield, when we get onto midfield, there'll be less. Look, I think this is less contentious because it's more like who do you like? Like, there's so many top, top, top midfielders that have played here. There are some, you know, you think about a, a Deschamps or a Jokai, who, who are, are what would be really interesting to get your take, Matt, once we reveal our names. It's kind of the reveal there that they're not in the side. Um, that who did we kind of miss out on the, the, the most special career that if they'd spent longer in the Premier League? really would have been special because that would be an interesting one but yeah. do you want to kick us off with any any of those, those midfielders that we have gone for yeah well gonna have to start off with Patrick Vieira um makes makes probably any Premier League side that we would set up Tom and I from even just not even nationality I mean an absolute monster of a player carried 
carried Arsenal for, through many matches in terms of single-handedly. I know that's that's often thrown away, that phrase. But um, Vieira was one of those players. Had absolutely everything. Drove the team forward. And obviously three Premier League titles at Arsenal and a double in there as well. Um, yeah, I mean... That was that was the that was the first no brainer for an unbeaten for season. You're not yeah. too bad, captain. The unbeaten the, season, yeah. I mean, two doubles now. Do we need two, any doubles. Comment, two doubles. Yeah, oh, oh, two, two ninety eight. Yeah. yeah, two doubles. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think that and the FA Cup. You'd, you'd, final, find, you'd find someone hard pushed to disagree, wouldn't you? Like um, with with Patrick Vieira, I guess. No, I think he he wasn't just he wasn't just phenomenal. He was kind of um, game changing like in terms of the Premier League and stuff. I always. Remember his, his his debut when he came on against Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. Ray Parler yeah. was injured and he just transformed the football match. And we, we hadn't seen a guy like that. You know, that helter, helter of the of, of, of the Premier League, he would get the ball. He'd have three Sheffield Wednesday people on him and he'd just, you know, move one way, shift the other, push the ball. And you're like, okay, this guy's got time on the football. He's just, he was just playing a different game. And- he, he was a special place. My, um, I think... Quite rightly, and we don't want to get sidetracked, we often easily can as Arsenal fans into a debate. But Thierry Henry is the best player for me that's ever played for the club. People always debate whether him or Bergkamp, that's and that's not for that's not for personal opinion. But for me, Patrick Vera through that through that period of success was our most important player by far. You know, like you said, I, I was in the East Stand for that four-one victory over I think it's four-one against Sheffield Wednesday mm-hmm. when he came on. And if you think about it, that was nineteen ninety-six. And then his last kick of the boot was a 2000 FA Cup, uh, 2005 FA Cup final when we won against Man United. We didn't win a trophy for nine years after that. No. And so that period of success completely mirrors. Yes, of course, that's Wenger's first decade, but the whole thing went for him, you know, and we don't win another trophy for nine years. And that's... No, I agree 100%. And Wenger said, you know, Wenger said, didn't he, um, you know, he was my general, lead us into battle. And, you know, it was, it was clear, he, you know, Bergkamp and Omri were absolutely unbelievable Hugely important, but Vieira, yeah, for me was yeah, was the key to it all. Absolutely. Um, so, so we, we we've got a couple of we don't know the, the, the water carrier. The, you know, the position was so good. They named the position after him. We have got Claude Makélélé in there. Um, we do. I think we feel we have to again. Part of that Chelsea side which came and outrageously disrupted Arsenal's um, and United's sort of t- title, the tussle that they would have every season over the title. Um, and with their back-to-back titles there, um, like you said, they, they named a position after him for a few, good few years. And I just think that he, he was the glue. I think he was a tremendously important player. Didn't want to do too much Arsenal bias and throw in Emmanuel Petit, although, you know, I, I, I really was tempted. Um, we went for Claude McAuley there and obviously, you know, success elsewhere as well, but a, a top player and who... And I think that position in the last 15 years, almost because of him, has garnered so much more respect and, you know, the registrar, whatever you want to call it now, people understand the role that person plays on a football pitch. And whilst they won't deliver any fantasy football points for people deliver, people who play FPL, um, you know, apart from that, they're, they're very important to the side. So we've gone, we've gone McAuley there. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, you talk about Arsenal struggling when Vieira left. Look what happened to Real Madrid with their, with their Galacticos and what have you. They t- you take McAuley out and they're like, oh my goodness. Suddenly the football team doesn't work. And, and you're right, but I would say if we're, if we're setting up an 11, uh, Makaleli and Vieira struggled a little bit as, as a partnership for France. Mm. And, um, you know, I know you gave a fleeting mention only of Emmanuel Petit. It was a hell of a duo, wasn't it, Vieira Petit? Um, it was phenomenal. You mentioned, yeah, and Golo Conte. Uh, you know, I, I, otherwise you play, you know, your four defensive midfielders and then you, you just never concede a goal. 
Mm. You don't, but it depends where you go up front and the people who might not track back, I, we might name a couple in a minute, who are going to do so little going forward, so so little going back, tracking back, that you just need to have that protection. Um, no, I think you're right then. Uh, Petit, I think, would have been, for me, again, with that bias, I completely appreciate, almost a shoe in had he not uh, left Arsenal so quickly. It was a real shame for us as Arsenal fans. I think, he, he, you know, Barcelona didn't want him. They wanted Mark Overmars and we kind of threw him in the deal. And it was a shame because actually, you know, had he stayed another couple of years and been part of the sort of maybe the, the second double in 0102 alongside Patrick Vieira, then I think you're looking at a partnership there could have could have really done special things. But obviously, he scored in the World Cup final and then helped us to that first double. He's not a bad player and certainly up there. But like, yeah, I did touch at the beginning of the midfielders about some of them that have not made the list. Someone like a, a Deschamps or a, a Dugarry or a Jorkaev, um, people who only fleetingly spent their time in the Premier League. But it would have been a, a nice to see a bit longer. Anyone, yeah. anyone stand out for you as a someone who didn't spend long enough here to probably to make R11, but really would have done? No, I mean, interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily have Dugarry as a, as a midfielder. I know he did play quite deep when he was at Birmingham. Um, through his career, he's been more of a forward. But yeah, in terms of the impact, I mean, he had an unbelievable impact at Birmingham. And he was sort of towards yeah. the end of his career, but he's up there with Trevor Francis as like Birmingham's greatest ever player. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, he deserves a mention. Yuri Djorkaev was was fantastic for for Special Bolton, impact. but certainly not what you remember. You know, if you look at his career no. overall, um, don't know, don't know. You got other, you got unsigned. No, actually, I was I wasn't going to say that because it would be terrible to mention Stephen Enzonzi in the same breath as Vieira Petit and McIlhenny and stuff like that. But no, there, there must be loads. There must be loads that, that that I'm not quite putting my finger on. But I mean, we've got a pretty phenomenal selection as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we haven't we haven't stopped there with the defensive midfield. <laughs> so in a th- in a three joining Makaleli and Vieira, we went for Angolo Conte. I mean, what we're going to do here, Matt, is we're going to have we're going to sit Makaleli in his typical role, and then we're going to have the marauding Kante and Vieira bombing up and down the pitch, covering every blade of grass. Because the front three, there's so much flair there and quality. We thought let's put Kante in there as a three, back to back league titles with two different clubs, um, completely. And just presented a very strong and legitimate argument. The other argument is that we couldn't decide between the two of them. Um, and I wanted to put N'Golo Kante in there. And Andrew wanted to put Claude Makaleli. And actually, we decided that, do you know what? The two of them might actually work really well, especially if we had young Vieira and he was bombing on. And we sort of played slightly more as a slightly more as an eight, which he could do really well, actually. He could do very, very well um, when he wasn't sitting. Um, th- for me, the reason Kante still had to get into the eleven was because of the, you know, the Leicester story is still one of the best stories that English football will ever see, let alone, and you know, has seen, it will ever see. And then to go directly into that Chelsea team and then win the title straight away, um, had to be in there for us. These are all, yeah, these no, are all also World Cup and Premier League winners. So Yeah, yeah, no, phenomenal what N'Golo Conte's done. And, and actually, I think that trio, I think it could work. There's a bit of a misconception that N'Golo Conte, um, you know, was going to be the next Makalele and they had, you know, he, he was a defensive midfielder mm. and actually even when he was playing at Colm before he joined Leicester he, he was either playing like you say on the right side of a three which we're seeing him quite a lot at Chelsea doing these days under Lampard or playing one of two like he did with, with Drinkwater so well at, um, at, at Leicester so you know he, he he doesn't play as the one kind of guy sitting in front of the um, defence and the, the, the times I've seen him as the most defensive player for France it hasn't necessarily worked very well Mm, and you could you could even argue with Vieira alongside Gilberto. Gilberto was the screen in front of that back four, and Vieira was the marauding, yeah. marauding central midfield. And Conte, player. you know, Conte's game is all about his mobility, his running, yeah. his, his the way he reads the game. So he, he's not a sitting player. 
He's yeah. got to just be moving all the time. Both both different in stature and physical size, but they could they could definitely do that similar role, couldn't they? Covering that blade of grass, tackles, interceptions everywhere. Um, we, we we're going to move up to now to sort of the flair players. Um, again, I think there's there's options here, and there's a couple of names we're going to leave on the bench and get your thoughts over. Um, the one I'll go for because I'll, I'll let Andrew wax lyrical about one of his favourite players of all time. Um, I, I'm I'm going to go for Cantona. I don't think you can, uh, uh, you know, you can you can go too far wrong. Sort of that four league titles. I think five if you count the, the Leeds title as well. Did the season before. Just a special special enigmatic player I think so important as well not only in Man United and the success that that 90s team had because that was quite obvious as a talisman but also in that birth of the Premier League as well and actually as a as, a, um, as just sort of this this global product with, with a stardom I think very much part of that Sky Sports launch and era they had you know you mm. think about that upturn collar you think about the Selhurst Park of um, you know Kung Fu kick you think about everything that he meant to to Premier League football at the time as well and then that's not counting FA Cup winners. That's not counting, you know, being, you know, winning those four titles on the trot. So he had to be in there, I guess. Absolutely. No, absolutely. A hugely, hugely important player in Premier League history. Like you say, he had the look, he had the, you know, the strut and what, but, but, he, but he delivered and he delivered in, in the big matches. Um, whether you, you talk about United struggling a bit in Europe during the Cantona era, but domestically they were unbelievable. Um, I'll always remember the, se- the, the season when they reeled Newcastle in. I think Cantona had just come back from his ban and it's just unbelievable. You know, he got the winner at St. James' Park, but there were a run of five or six games where he just popped up and just made the difference. And it was just, yeah, I mean, what a, what, a, what a footballer, but like you say, personality as well that helped launch the whole Premier League brand. Absolutely. We, we, had, we had Ron Barton on the pod the other week, actually. We obviously, that, that campaign came up again from, from a Newcastle perspective. And one of the things he mentioned, didn't mention Eric as an individual, but he actually said that there was an element of then the Newcastle, there were lots of reasons, oh, why, did you, why was the lead thrown away, do you think, under Key? You know? And he's like, one of the reasons was just not quite good enough in the moments that mattered. You know, actually, so you can look back and you can think about, but actually collectively, if they look around that dressing room, each of them didn't give the two or three percent that mattered. And there is a man that for all the, um, you know, Rasmus has around him in Cantona actually did deliver, you know, because actually you could you could easily see that kind of personality now and actually not turning up on the, on match day, you know, being that personality, but not delivering. And actually, he could kind of do both, which was, which was fantastic. And obviously, like, like you say, a massive part of that title running. Um, absolutely. Yeah. The front three is a bit of a weird one with with the system because I feel like my choice in a minute, who I'll, I don't know if we've got enough time to talk about, but um, playing either side of our lone striker, I'm not sure if it would work particularly. I mean, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on it, Matt. But any any team selected by myself, whether it be Arsenal, France, whatever, there always has to be Robert Pires' name on the team sheet. Um, and... It's for me an absolute no-brainer. What what an amazing player, an underrated player in my opinion. Um, considering after how good he was, um, I always remember that image on on the Highbury turf of the players clapping him and bowing him when he lifted that trophy in 02. and the hurt that I was going through that day when he did his cruciates in that I think it was the FA Cup tie against Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah, um, yeah, and um, yeah, two Premier League trophies, over sixty Premier League goals. I think it was this top assist maker in that season in 02. Integral. Integral to both of the 02 and 04 title winning sides, um, that 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 bending finish into the far corner was just <laughs> um, mm. perfection. Um, is is 
Well, I'm going to say, is that a good shout, Matt? Because I'm. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is, and it's hard to argue with you. But you know, we'll talk about other names as well because there are some phenomenal names. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got a feeling David Ginola is not is not going to get in. If you, if he's not going to get in, and he is definitely a firm place on our bench. But yeah, what a player! Because yeah, player, player was well, player of the season, wasn't he? At, at Tottenham, but probably played his best football at, at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I love Pires, I, and he's in many ways kind of the opposite to Cantona in that he's. Uh, maybe that's harsh to say Cantona seeks the limelight, but Pires is always, throughout his career, he's always liked to be in the support role, you know, and he's always liked to be, you know, whether it's, and again, it's not putting him down to say sort of second best to Bergkamp or second best to Henri, but that's that's kind of where he's liked to be, second best to Zidane or what have you. And what, what was a great shame in that 2002 season is that it was his moment for France, that World Cup, when Zidane was injured and uh, Pires was player of the season in France, and then he did his, he did his knee and... You know, he, he must look back at his career and think, wow, I've had an amazing career. But yeah, mm. he, he could have, he could, I mean, he won the World Cup in 98 as a sort of uh, yeah. you know, substitute. But um, yeah, love him, love him, man. A real team player who, who showed that sort of mental and physical toughness that a lot of people thought he didn't have when, mm. he, when he joined Arsenal. Um, Absolutely. And no, uh, yeah. I, there's a famous story, isn't there, where he's sitting on the bench at Stadium of Light for his, yeah. for his introduction to English football. Um, where, I wanted to ask you, Matt. Where, where does where does Pires rank in French football history in terms of midfield? Because of you mentioned Zidane, oh, you've got Platini. Yeah. Like, where where is Pires in that list? Probably second. You know, it sounds really awful, don't it? Like second tier. I was going to say, you know, uh, behind the sort of Zidane, Platini. Um, it's not a bad I mean, first tier, are, though, is it? So. No, it's not a bad. <laughs> That's first the problem. Tier. I mean that, that that's the thing. I've had the pleasure of working with with Robert quite a lot, and he's he's and at one point I started going on about Dennis Bergkamp. Now I loved him, and he was my favourite player. And I thought, well, I'm saying that's Robert Pires. It's you know, I said, oh, sorry, Robert. You know, I lo- I really liked you. I was like, no, man. You know, Dennis was the king, and it's like, um, but uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're they're a huge number of players, huge number of wonderful players France have had, and Pires is probably talked about in a similar vein to somebody like Djorkaev, who is not perhaps as famous in in England or not. People don't quite realise how how great a player he was as well. But France have been blessed with a lot. Um, but Pires has yeah huge huge respect, and because he won the World Cup in '98, and more importantly, um, played the the pass to Trezor gave the golden goal at Euro 2000. Mm. He'll always have that, that that big part in France's folklore. And another person with a big part up front. It's quite obviously um, Sylvain Wiltord. No, it's not. It's obviously um, Thierry Henry. And uh, Sylvain Wiltord's a, obviously a great store and, and an Arsenal hero. But no, it's, it was, we, we won't talk too much about Thierry Henry. Um, only to say, obviously, he was going to find a place in this team, wasn't he? Um, yeah. As arguably, arguably the Premier League's best ever, let alone the best French striker. <laughs> like, if you narrow it that much, he's going to get in. <laughs> like, <laughs> you wonder, one question I always ask that we'll never know the answer to, but would it, would it, have, would it have been an Elka? He'd have stayed. And would an Elka today be France's record goal scorer? And I mean, you know, stupid question Only, to ask because he went to Real Madrid and it all, and, and he kept changing clubs and he never kind of never kind of settled. But you know, at people in youth football, they say that an Elka always had a bit more talent than Omri, but Omri had that you know different kind of mentality. And, and if you look at the look at, yeah, an Elka's achievements and stuff, an Elka will probably be someone who finds finds our bench. You know, it's a big bench. We're going to do It's a free it's a preseason tournament that we're going to have where, from with the bench perspective. But no, an Elka was close because you're right. I, I think um, I'm of an age where my first proper football following started about sort of 93, 94. You know, where I'm just sort of paying attention, and and only two players 
have made me think, wow, at that at that young age, and that was for Arsenal, I mean, and that was Anelka and Fabregas when he broke through as well. But when Anelka broke through in that double winning season, and well, you know, obviously we brought him in, that goal against Blackburn, I remember when he sort of rolled, you know, rolled his foot over there and then took around the keeper and just pinged it. He was so good, so young, very much like you're killing him back now. I mean, that kind of level where he's got, he's got everything. He's 18, 19 years old. How is this possible? And it is interesting. You know, uh, uh, there's not many what what shows you the talent he had is you look at the his career and the trophies he won and the goals he scored, and yet lots of people still ask, oh, did he underachieve? That's that's how much talent he had. And I think that's that just that's testament to how much talent he had because you couldn't look at that trophy cabinet or not and accuse many players of underachieving when he's won as much as he's won. Um, but it's an interesting one but for obvious reasons. Thierry. Yeah, Thierry. Thierry gets my vote for sure. Won, won the lot. A couple of uh, just a couple of players that didn't make the cut, obviously in this massive subs bench. Although we we are we're conforming with the new rules of the the extra subs. We've got Louis Saha. We thought about um, obviously spending a lot of time at Manchester United, Fulham, Everton, scoring over sort of around 80, 85 goals in the Premier League. Matt, I mean, very very good striker in his day. Really good, yeah. really accomplished striker, Louis Saha. Probably underrated, I'd say. Mm. Um, always looked good enough when he played for France. Didn't play, you know. There was huge competition, but he, you know, he, he looked international class. He was technical. His finishing was outstanding. Um, so useful guy to have on the bench, I'd say. He, yeah. is, is he not making the bench? Yes, he's on the bench. He's on the bench. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an attacking yeah, the, bench. It's an attacking yeah. bench. Desai is literally he's playing potentially six defensive positions um, only because he's the only defensive player who makes the bench. Probably better off having Gallas <laughs> on there for the versatility, but um, well, quite. Um, and then there's Pogba's on the bench as well. I mean, the superstar Paul Pogba, obviously World Cup winner, um, but very in England, the reputation is not done it. of. You know, a, a, almost a bit of a flash in the pan. Just turns up when he wants to. What What are your thoughts on on Pogba, Matt? Um, I like him. Um, he was fantastic. Uh, played a massive part in France winning the World Cup, but hasn't hasn't done it. I think you know. I think he did it at, at Juventus. Well, he certainly did do it at Juventus. He looked the part there. And for 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 whatever reason, whether it's been partly injuries, whether it's been because Man United is a difficult place, I think at the moment to. To play good football, to be kind of left in in in, in peace, to kind of be you know, under the same manager, to work on a project together, and there, there's always been something, you know, with him. There's always been an injury to stop his progress, or you know, or Graham Sooners to have some choice words, or I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think people are harsh on him, but I can understand the frustration because he hasn't mm. he hasn't yet delivered. But he's one that may may make the team in five years. We we'll have to see. There was a there was a sort of twenty minute spell when he came on, I think, against Spurs. After the restart um, at, at, at the at Spurs, I think it was away at Spurs, and for 20, 25 minutes, it, he he was just scary. It was almost like a training match. He he was playing it like that, and it was just the passing. It was just phenomenal. And you, you these yeah. glimpses, you just think, why can you not do this ninety minutes every week? You know, I think that's the frustration, isn't it? Because yeah. you know the athleticism, the 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 the. The, yeah, vision. the, touch, the yeah. technique, the skill, the vision. Like he has everything. people, you know. But I, I think people are harsh because they assume that it's because he doesn't. Doesn't want it. And he's yeah. got the kind of bling. I'm very cool. I've, I've I've had you know I don't know the guy, but I've had sort of the interviews with him post matches and stuff. And he's an amazingly um, charismatic and 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 really intelligent guy. At the World Cup, I saw him giving interviews in English, French, Italian, and you're like, oh, this guy is you know, he, yeah, it's impressive. And I I don't know what he's like, you know, to go for a drink with. I don't, but 
I, you know, I, I think he's an impressive guy, and I think the reputation he has is probably inaccurate. So and, and I think um, and it's unfair as well when some people say, oh, you know, why aren't you turning on every game? As if it's easy to be that level that we, yes, he can hit it occasionally, but it's not easy to be, <laughs> to be that complete midfielder, is it? Otherwise, no, and he'd like, to, he'd like to be running football matches every week. It's not just that well, he can't course, yeah, and, yeah, and I think I, I, you, what I would say is that, you know, he's still of an age where he could come into his best years. If he gets in the right system and the right manager, I think, you know, yeah. what you're not looking at is a footballer that's mm-hmm. 32 years old. You're looking at someone who's actually still got arguably and hopefully a good four or five years is very very best stuff so um yeah hopefully that'll be the, that'll be the way forward for Paul Fogba mm. and, he, and he might find a place in there and he can displace one of one of the Makaleli or Ngolo Kante you know he's got the yeah. talent too I mean, there's a there's a Frenchman we haven't mentioned once yet, really, who would want to have your opinions really as well on the love affair between French football and, and the Premier League, Matt, and and that since Arsene Wenger's arrival, you know, back in sort of '96. Yeah, he he's been has he was he the catalyst for that love affair do you think Matt uh yeah absolutely absolutely and the Premier League was so different um back back in the 90s Wenger was was the first foreign manager to succeed Joseph Wenglos struggled at Aston Villa and yeah you know the the, the fact that Vieira um arrived with Remy Gard just before um Wenger even started because Wenger was still seeing out his contract in Japan um, but he obviously was behind the the, the Vieira and Guard deals. It, it sent out this message as well when people thought, oh, hang on, so Arsene Wenger's coming and he's going to bring us players like Patrick Vieira. Um, it just kind of opened people's eyes, I think, to to what was um, what was happening in France, what was happening in, in in other countries, and the French were most definitely ahead of the game um, in terms of player development. The uh, the training these kids were getting was was absolutely phenomenal in France. So yeah, Wenger was a catalyst. Uh, Gerard Houllier didn't have so much success. We haven't talked about many of his, so, you know, Bernard Diomed and, and Bruno Scheru, even though they were, mm. they were good players, Bruno Scheru in particular, but didn't, didn't, didn't do it at Liverpool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we're, 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 we're close neighbours, aren't we? And uh, the French absolutely love the Premier League. The French, you know, it's, it's, it's always been, um, you know, the biggest attraction for television stations to to try to get the Premier League right. Obviously League One remains the um the most important, thankfully. But um but yeah the Premier League is big because so many top French players are playing there and they love seeing full stadiums. They love the pace of the of the football matches and um it's been a you know it's become a bit of a problem for for League One because players do grow up just kind of waiting, hoping they'll get a move to the Premier League. Um mm. and you don't get many top players. You don't get many top players who who, who spend their whole career. You, you, it gets about as good as Sidney Govu, who was really good, but not quite good enough to get his move away. And he ended up staying at Leon his whole career. But, yeah. well, I was going to say, do you think, do you see that changing? Because I, I think from from the outside, certainly, like you say, that fascination with, with French players or Oligon fans looking at the Premier League and it feels like it's been quite one way for for quite a while. But But now... I feel a lot of a lot of British fans really, really taking a, an invested interest in French football. I think it's yeah. talked about a lot more, just in punk's fandom, whether it's pub talk, whether it's terrorist talk, Arsenal. People really enjoy watching Ligue 1 football now. And I think, you know, you could argue there still needs a bit of a, more competition there. But, but nonetheless, is that is that just a the fact that it's a globalised world and we can see more French football? Or is there that you can you genuinely see that, Paul, that French players are more likely to stay and actually more likely to attract top players from across Europe to the league as well? Um. 
I think uh, I think the gap's closed maybe a little bit. Like financially, there's a massive TV deal in France now. Um, there's still a, a huge gulf in terms of uh, in terms of the wages that you know, a Leicester City or an Aston Villa can offer compared to every club in France other than other than PSG. So um, you know, as long as there's that gulf in wages, it's 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 going to be difficult. But I think people in the UK. Um, realise more and more that there is a hell of a lot of talent in France. I think winning the World Cup makes a big difference. I think Kylian Mbappe is making a big difference as well because he's, you know, in his fifth season now in Ligue 1, he's won four league titles um, and he's the most sought-after player on the planet. So so that's big and it sends out a, a message to, to younger players in France. Yeah, Camavinga's a, a man that we've mentioned before on this pod. Uh, is, is, that, is he a player that Ligue 1 is going to retain? He is, he is phenomenal. This guy is seven. It's just one of those. I remember Mbappe when he was 17. You couldn't really quite believe it. But just this, guy's playing, this, this guy's playing central midfield and he's bullying, yeah. he's bullying other players and he's, he's got everything, actually. Last season, he started playing for Ren when he was 16, sort of in a defensive midfield role. This season, he's kind of more playing in more of a number eight role and you're like, whoa, suddenly he's box to box and he's got, he's got these skills. Um, he's already been capped by France. You know, he is the most exciting talent I've seen in France. You know, he's very much in the bracket of Mbappe and, and Ed Nazard. I remember when he was 16, mm. 17 and, and came through. Mm. Um, and the difference is, well, I was talking to some people about it, the difference is the position, because sometimes you get a forward who you know, break through at 17, like, whoa, he's talented. But this guy is playing with yeah. maturity in central midfield mm. that is just cultured really left unseen. Yeah. 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 Mm. Brilliant stuff. Well, yeah, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, Pleasure, guys. Evening. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the football this weekend. Thank you. Take care. Have to speak to you soon. Take care. Will do. Cheers, fellas. Thank Thanks, you. Matt. Appreciate awesome. it. So Tom and I come out of this episode unscathed in the changing room. Thanks again to Matt Spiro for his assessment on our French 11. Feel free to tweet us your comments about the episode and our selection, or yours, at HTO Football hope you enjoyed the episode guys thanks for listening and we'll see you next time